0: Is temporarily not in- Hello, this is Peter Joseph, and you're listening to V-Radio.
1: Hello and welcome to this edition of V Radio. Sorry about the brief little uh bad start there. Um I was actually involved in a conversation with my uh the my guest here and as a result um I'm gonna be a little bit late to get started only because I have to re add her to the call. Um so but anyway, uh just some brief announcements about V Radio. Uh things are still kinda tough here, so um in the event that you can, you know, give a donation, please consider to do so. Um, and, uh, if there are any computer problems with this, uh, show, you know, I will be right back. It just means that I got to come back after I reload everything. So, um, and also, uh, I want to thank everybody who has supported me so far. Um, you guys have been a good, have been a big help and you're the reason that I do this. You'll be seeing more shows from me. I'm working on, um, right now, actually a blog to, uh, go through and, uh, discuss the issue of different things that people do to or rather people are subjected to anyway um that make it difficult for them to perceive the reality around them um that sounds like kind of a heady concept um but basically it's uh the notion that there are a lot of things that people do to prevent themselves from thinking clearly about with them so um hello hello lori i'm sorry that took a little longer than i expected but welcome to v radio um, this is Laurie A. Couture. Please introduce yourself to the audience.
0: Yes, um, I am Laurie A. Couture. I'm the author of Instead of Medicating and Punishing. Um, I am a attachment parenting and alternative education coach, um, and I also have experience in the mental health field. Um, I've worked with children and families for over 16 years in multiple capacities, so I Um, I, um, I am an expert in all areas of child development.
1: Well, that's awesome. Um, we talked a little bit about off the air actually. Um, and, uh, we discussed this, you know, the, the same question I ask is, you know, like at what moment in your life, uh, did you decide to go from being someone who was just part of the world to being someone who wanted to change it and make it better?
0: Um, that that, act- that moment actually came when I was nine years old, actually. I was, um, I was in a pretty um, difficult situation, a lot of uh, trauma in my life as a child, and um, I had this very specific moment where I looked out the window and I said, you know, if I survive this childhood when I grow up, I'm going to make sure that no child has to go through what I've gone through. And I really... I made a pact to the universe, basically, in that moment, and um, there were times in my adolescent years that I thought I was going to lose touch with that, but I always came back to it, and um, in my late teens, I became, I started becoming very passionate about fighting for the rights of children and youth, and um, I began working in various capacities doing that helping children doing a lot of volunteer work mentoring i started working in early childhood education and that's some of the way i realized uh, the problems in the in the educational system i worked uh as a social worker i then worked in uh the mental health field and and now uh and then i uh, wrote my book and i also was in the film the war on kids uh talking about uh just the detriments to children of the public school system and how the public school system is literally a socializing agent to dull down and dumb down and control the the population of the country.
1: That's awesome. So, um actually I, I remember that film and I've and I'm I've reviewed that film before on my show. It's a good film. Um especially in discussing issues of public education. I had a conversation once about that recently. Uh, Actually, not too recently. I did a V-Radio show about it, and it actually erupted because uh, my daughter was going to her first day of school, and um, my friends were asking me why I didn't um, homeschool. And normally, I am actually a very big proponent of it. If it weren't for the fact that I had you know extensively spoken to the kindergarten teacher in question and found her to be a very alternative thinking kind of person which made me wonder how she got the job in our school system um she you know my daughter would be homeschooled right now um but uh in general the conversation that came about because of it uh you know the the opposition to it were like well you know your child won't be properly socially adjusted and I was like, you know, when I went to school, there were a lot of things I was expected to be socially adjusted to that I would really rather not be socially adjusted to. <laughs> you know, yeah, the,
0: social, the socialization thing is such a um, it's such an eye roller for those of us in the homeschooling community because it's such a myth, and and a lot of times, you know, the uh, those of, those parents of us that are in the homeschooling community, we we get good laughs out of that because we're standing there with our with our children who have hundreds. You know, of contacts a year and friends. uh, You know, my son, my son who is uh, who just turned 18, had 10 kids at his at his rock climbing birthday party um, last month. So there is no shortage of socialization. If that, in fact, um, what what the the so-called socialization that um, you know homeschooled children get. It's the real world. You you interact with people in your community. You meet people of all ages. You relate based on mutual interests. There is not a competition based on your looks, or the kind of clothing you're wearing, or what group you fit in. Nobody's going to be shunning you for those things. My son and his friends are so diverse. So many of them have so many different interests. He has friends all across the board, from music-related friends to like you know metal music to rock-climbing kids, to kids who are into Dungeons and Dragons, kids who like building, kids who like inventing. He's all across the board, and all of these kids accept one another for the things that they do have in common just because they care about each other. So, you know, he's had the same friends. He makes new ones all the time, and there's none of this horrible drama that goes on in the public schools, none of this unsafe, dangerous behavior. There's no teenage rebellion um, so all of that is a myth, um, used to just scare people away from it. There's actually no time for children to socialize in public school anyway, because they're just sitting at desks all day doing nothing and the designated times are used just to reassert the social groups and shun people and harass them and and, and uh, you know, children are harassed to the point where they want to commit suicide or, or commit homicide and it's so severe that these children are coming out of the public school with, you know, symptoms of complex PTSD.
1: For sure. That's no, and I
0: group.
1: Yeah, I know exactly what that's like. Um I went to school in a very, well, I actually I had both kinds of experiences because I lived sometimes with my poor mother and sometimes with my more well-to-do father. And so therefore I experienced both the the problems of living in a low economic situation in school and living in a higher economic situation. And the funny thing is I guess probably because I was already adjusted to the low economic situation, I actually experienced less stress in the far more violent environment of the low economic yeah. situation than I did in the high environment. You know, the high economic situation where the kids were so materialistic, um, yeah. and you know, your your shoes determined your value as a human yeah. being. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, literally, I mean, if people are like, yeah, oh, you know, they pick on you. No, no, they they try to mentally destroy you if you're They're not dressed you. the way it is. They need to be. You need you to be. It's it's funny to me, actually, because um, we discuss this frequently on the show. Is different like sociological theories about authority, and you know, people do. You know, we do have a lot of anarchists who listen to the show who feel that authority figures themselves are the problem. And I usually have to point out to them, I'm like, you know, there are no specific authority figures that uh, empower the in crowd. When you're going to a public school to control virtually every aspect of your life, they take that authority on their own through bullying you know and no and essentially through picking right. on people and and no and the schools seem to be completely incapable of doing anything about it so if there were well, any authority school. figures they're not doing their job
0: <laughs> well the schools actually are creating it because there there is absolutely children when they're in public school they are literally in a hostage imprisoning imprisoning situation they're they're in prison for 6 hours a day and they're still in prison when they leave because they're forced to do you know, unpaid labor or what they call homework at home. So they don't have any free time designated to them because then it's filled up with all the extracurriculars. So school literally controls every cell of your body. You, children can't go to the bathroom when they need to. They can't eat. They can't hydrate. They can't move. They have to sit in that seat and do, a, and, do and think and and regurgitate exactly what is expected of them so because these children are stripped of any sense of empowerment for themselves and any ability to direct their own their own body or their own learning process they, they they have to go outside of the power structure in order to create their own opportunities for for control and power since they have no power in school they know that that that, that the, the peer group is now something that they can control and so therefore certain ones of those have the power to be able to manipulate and become you know very authoritarian with the peer group and the peer group just sort of takes on a mind of its own and they divide and and uh, conquer themselves and of course the teachers in the school have no ability to control it because you know this is a situation where kids have figured out that they do have control with controlling the minds and controlling the emotions of the other kids and controlling their actions. Where, whereas if public schools um, ran as democracies like the country is supposed to be um, and like certain schools do that are democratic schools that are not public schools like the Sudbury Valley Free School, Summerhill School, which has been running since the 1800s, Albany Free School, if it, those schools – there is a complete democracy where children are free to do as they wish. they can learn and do and and move around as much as they need. They can take care of all their basic biological and emotional needs there and those there are not you know these power clicks where kids are committing suicide you know that 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 the dynamic of kids being cruel to one another is a socially constructed thing by the public schools that is not normal kid behavior. I just want to make that clear. No, that's Kids actually very cool. insightful.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: and it, it's. Kids I think
1: very. It, it almost you know it's interesting you say that because it does feel that uh you know because it does generally only take place in that and unfortunately it does kind of follow us into our real life. That's the reason that I studied that because I'm actually in the middle of researching a documentary more specifically about internet trolls and cyber bullies. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. We get into a situation where I realize that people have a tendency because and they get created this gets created for them in school where they seek to create circumstances of social hierarchy so that they can feel elite or feel better than some other group over there um You find it it kind of echoes in the workplace it echoes in um, you know, people's hobbies even, like, you know, group hobbies. You know, you end up with these, these. you know, some people are popular, some people are not. We haze the people that are not popular. You know, you kiss the derriers of the people that are. If you want to be, you know, if you want to be an accepted member of this society, sure. then you've got to toe the line and you got to play the, the pyramid scheme Absolutely. game. You know, and it's, it's is, people are not aware of it, or rather sometimes they are, and then they just go, well, that's just the way it is. And then they, well, they, they cop the out. Well, this
0: is this is all part of the distractions that the that the government expected when they instituted forced public schooling in 1852. They wanted this to happen. I mean, if you're so busy being distracted by all these ridiculous little hierarchies and all these little one up one, one upmanships that all these people do, and you've got to keep up with the Joneses, and you've got to make sure you've got all the latest gadgets, and you have to watch the latest episode of, you know, American Idol or whatever is on, or dexter and and then talk about it and sound like you're in the end, then you have no time to watch what your government is doing, and no time or or any any or any caring for that matter, any empathy for the situation of the world. See all of that is socially engineered it's it's built in and it was built in in eighteen fifty two i mean the 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 they knew what they were doing back then, and it's working just perfectly.
1: Now, that's, you know, and that's actually used the term social engineering, and that, that's very poignant, of especially to my audience, because, you know, we we recognize that, and many people don't, you know, they, and then you start to talk about how well somebody wanted this, and then they, they don't really like to discuss that, obviously, they'd kind of like to pretend that, you know, that this is the society, that this is how it's supposed to be, um, and, and basically, uh Especially, like, you know, we, we talk about that as how uh, consumerist culture was created intentionally, quite intentionally, by Edward Bernays, um, you know, and his work for different corporations, like how they convinced women psychologically that they should be smoking, um, you know, just different ways that they targeted that. And I noticed that that's, that's built into the the children's culture, too, you know, Absolutely. the consumerist culture of, you know, I need a $100 pair of sneakers um, and if, if the sneakers don't have Foot Locker attached to them, like they would literally leave the tags on the sneakers to prove they purchased Absolutely. them at Foot Locker where they're $40 more expensive, yep. well, then you get made fun of for wearing those sneakers. Oh, you, know, you
0: don't it, have to tell me that. I remember I had to have $68 guest jeans, and I remember my you know, haggling my grandmother that I couldn't get the, you know, my grandmother said, well, these also have a triangle logo on the back pocket. And I said, well, I can't wear those because they don't say Guess." Right, and you know, and I remember that growing up in the eighties that I think the eighties was where that became the most severe um where you had to have a certain brand of clothing, you had to wear the clothing a certain way, though, so you couldn't just have the clothing, it had to be worn a certain way and and of course, I have no problem with personal expression, but I do have a problem where the personal expression has to look like everyone else's. My son likes to experiment with black lipstick and all kinds of crazy outfits but he's not doing that because anyone else is doing it he's doing it because it's his way of expressing himself and he admires a lot of the the metal bands from the 80s and um even the seven late 70s and this is a form of expression that he chooses to do based on nobody else's assessment and his friends usually like hey dude that's cool and and that's that's as far as they go. Even though usually the friends aren't doing it, you know, most of his friends aren't dressing that way. He's a performer, so he does like to do that. And it's and it's his own style. It's not based on anyone else's. And so th- the problem is, is that the the, the uh, public schools and the consumerist absolute virus in our culture, the the advertisers, marketers know that teens love to express themselves. They know that they love to they love just ornate dress and so they exploit that and the public schools are completely designed to fuel into that industrialism that that mindset of raising you to work until you die and buy mm-hmm. things that's it that's your purpose in life you never hear when they talk about education reform which of course is impossible you can't reform a system based on that was built on oppression but you always hear in the education reform talk about um we need to we need to have these children prepared for global marketplace well you know what that's not my child it's not my goal for my child my goal for my child is for him to be happy for him to live his passions and dreams but yet for some reason parents don't seem to hear that they only hear this rhetoric that we have to prepare children to take their place in the global marketplace well i'm not sure but anyone else but I'm not interested in that I'm not interested (laughs) in myself and my son being a part
1: of that absolutely no it's because of the documentary consuming kids I'm Mm. I'm sure you've probably seen that one Um, is the reason that my children never watch advertising ever like ever 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 like I'm very specific on what I let them watch and you know the message that it sends and I pay attention to that many parents don't do that you know they don't they don't look at what their kids are watching um, and then yeah. they wonder where all these behaviors come from, you know, but at yeah. the same token, though, I mean, you know, they're, you know, and that actually kind of brings up another controversial issue. I'd have to say, though, is uh, one of the things I brought up previously, and I'd like to consult with your your opinion about it, is that, you know, the public school system creation of the, uh, you know, of the stressful situations can you know, create sometimes huge outbursts of violence. When I went to school in the inner city, obviously, you see it much more often, but, you know, the, the, the Columbine shooting. Um, was a situation where, you know, that they really did not look at, very closely at the root cause of the problem. They no, wanted to talk about not. Mortal Kombat or Doom yeah, or violent <laughs> video games or whatever. I'm like, you know, I I've every violent impulse I ever had while going to school was based entirely on being locked in a room with a bunch of people I'd really rather not be talking to because they're a bunch of mean jerks, you know, yeah. and wanting them to leave me alone. It had nothing to do with playing Mortal Kombat or... You know, not to say that I let my children play those video games either, but it's—they weren't looking at the real base issue. You can get rid of all the Mortal Kombat in the world, and you can, you know, you can put on more metal detectors or whatever. But kids have been pushing other kids around in the system long before Mortal Kombat or Doom. And yeah, no, they
0: were—they were blaming actually uh, Marilyn Manson and trench coats. That was—that was—that was also what they, their primary thing. They were—they were blaming for the. You know, because they they don't want to blame the environment, of course.
1: Right, because then they would be responsible. And you know, everybody's always passing the buck. And, you know, I just, I thought very heavily, because I was actually still kind of in school at that time, you know, that I don't approve of what they did, but I probably understand why they did it. You know, um, I understand probably what was going through their head at the time. You know, and mm-hmm. anybody who really studied it found out that these were two kids who were heavily tormented, Oh, yeah. um, you know, and attacked endlessly So it's kind of a matter of, you know you, you know, There's so many stories that are like that I remember when I was going to school There was a kid who had brought a gun to school And, you know, had shot the kid that kept calling him fat And then shot himself You know, this is a tragedy You know, does this have anything to do with doom Or does it have to do with the kid being permitted To, you know, endlessly victimize this other child Until he went to that point you know, it's, you know, then they want to, you know, it, it's just basically, uh, this is one of the reasons why Jock Fresco, the Venus Project, all that stuff I talked about off the air, the idea of addressing things at the root cause of the problem, finding the source of the behavior, and then eliminating that source and creating a healthy environment that, that cultivates good behavior, rather than trying to spend all of your time trying to scare people out of negative behavior, um, you know, is, is definitely a beneficial way to look forward towards the future, um, and we're already seeing it work in the places that it's being tried. And so um, this actually, um, you know, I was just kind of trying to you know, bring about, you know, have some general conversation with you to get the audience to know who you are and what you were doing and, and where you stand. And I think they're all going to be very impressed with what they've heard so far. Now, I know that you're writing a new book, which is one of the main reasons, actually, that initially, because I didn't know about all this other great stuff about you before. Um, you know, I, I read your article about how boys are treated differently than girls, um and one of the things that has been very frustrating for me as an activist is that i've noticed that uh certain rights groups have a tendency to overdo certain things like you know a feminist rights group might get to the point where they're almost sexist in their approach like they're they're so they're not
0: almost sexist they they are blatantly sexist
1: right they're, they're, they're so pro woman that they get to the point that they're anti man and, you know, you see it also in the racist groups, you know, they, they're, they're yeah. so one that they become anti the other, even the ones that are claiming to be like, I, I had a friend actually, who is an activist, and he's part of a group called BAM, uh, by any means necessary, And they're kind of like an outcropping of like the Black Panther groups and stuff. And, and I'm not saying all of those activists were ever negative. But like I asked him one day, because in Pontiac, where I grew up, there was a lot of black on white racism, a lot of black kids beating up white kids. And I asked him, I'm like, you know, do you consider that racism? He's like, no, that's not racism. I was like, okay, they specifically targeted the kids who were white because they were white. That's not racism? No, that's, you see, you know, we have a history of oppression and and that's just natural lashing out. I was like, okay, you know, dot, dot, dot. You know, and I've dealt with situations with, you know, with feminist women who are just as ruthless when talking about men You know, and even within peace activist groups, every now and then, you know, I, I, the Occupy movement, for example, I'll hear comments made about what white men do. And it it makes me twitch because I come from a totally non-racist, non-sexist environment, and I've so totally moved past all of that. And when I hear that, you know. I'm like, it, it makes me like seriously offended. I'm like, did you just make a generalization about me because I'm a man or because I'm white? I'm like, do you, <laughs> what does that sound like? Do you realize what you sound like? And they and they sometimes they just don't, you know. Um, so, you know, commenting a little bit on that, and then let's let's move into your book immediately following about how that happens at childhood. Oh,
0: absolutely. Um, I I um. I've been like I said I've worked with I've been working with children and families for over 16 years and I've worked in so many different capacities that I've been able I actually um am very aware of the roots of the feminist lobby and I will tell you firsthand that there is, there are multiple very politically powerful uh and I'm going to call them political feminist groups that actually are blocking funding for services for boys and men, they block, they deliberately ignore the research, especially the research done by Dr. Murray-Strauss at the the UNH Family Research Lab and others who have found that domestic violence is actually equal between men and women, which means that men and women perpetrate it and are the victim of it equal. And actually, women slightly um, abuse their... Spouses or partners more than male partners, more than um, slightly more, but I think it's like six, uh, maybe 51 or 52 percent. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're slightly higher. It comes out that way in all studies. So the feminist political lobby is actually has an agenda to block awareness of male victims of sexual assault. And male victims of domestic violence and male victims of violence in general men right. men um, boys and men are the overwhelming victims of violence in the world on the planet it's mm-hmm. men and boys who are suffering with their lives. boys are sexually abused equally to girls they were they are equally or more vulnerable than girls and they 're more and i say they 're more vulnerable because nobody wants to see them as potential victims and the feminist movement is directly blocking evidence and research and awareness to the public that women sexually abuse children in very large numbers. We don't know exactly how much because men don't report, boys don't report. There are strong social taboos about reporting and that if boys are exploited, they're supposed to like it. Um, Right. And a lot of times... um, Sadly, one of the things that a lot of the general public does not know is that if a law is not in place seeing a certain thing as sexual assault, then it will not be counted in the crime statistics. So all these years that the FBI has been collecting rape statistics, men as victims, male, boys and men as victims have never been counted because it was just in, I believe it was either December, the end of December 2011, or just the turn of this month. 2012, that the FBI finally recognized the rape of, of males, as, and, and now will count them in the rape statistics. Now they have not been counting all the the prison rapes that happen. I think there's they, they're estimates about 10,000 prison rapes a year, and that's just an estimation based on who reports it. Right. So really, the all of these groups that are trying to block awareness are really doing harm to human beings. They're not really human rights groups. My what I believe is that there is no excuse for any form of violence against anybody. And violence is any action, any word or any any sort of disposition towards somebody where you are cutting them down, where you are trying to overpower them, or you are trying to coerce them against their will to believe something. So the comments that that um that you were talking about about generalizing you being a white man that is a form of violence and that's just as inappropriate as if you had said anything in the reverse so what excuse me let me just take a sip of water here
1: sure sure you know and actually i guess i'll take um, a moment to comment on that while you're doing that um is that it you know it's funny is that that kind of actually comes back to like why i'm making the film that i'm making is that Verbal and mental abuse are very much prevalent in uh, conversations. You know, in in political debate, in particular, uh, people can be beaten down into submission solely through humiliation and you know personal attacks. And sure. and you know, it's I used to be part of the Libertarian Party, and they have a, a non-aggression principle at their core that you have to agree to when you join them. But once you join them, you're in a situation where they are vicious. Verbally yeah. with one another, if you're not towing the line, you know, for supposedly right. See, free-thinking society, you know, you, See, they will the just be mean to you until you go along with it.
0: That's right. See, that's the key: is that there's violence in every group. These, all of these separatist groups that people put themselves in—political parties, political groups, all of these isms—they're all violent. They—they they might set up for. They—they they might start out in the beginning with a goal of of equality and human rights but it ends up going over the top there is no need for feminism in western societies right now if there's any need for feminism it needs to be over in afghanistan and and saudi arabia that's sure. that's where they need to move their efforts where women don't actually have equality here in the western society this is becoming more and more a feminist based society and that is why i'm writing to get back to the, the second part sure sure um my second book <clears throat> is the working title right now is Nurturing and Empowering Our Sons and um off the top of my head I think the subtitle is uh healing and and uh celebrating um our sons through attachment parenting and unschooling I think it's just off the top of my head with the byline the uh, I mean the uh, subtitle And basically why I wrote this book is I've been collecting data for over, gosh, almost 20 years now since I was out of high school. Um, I graduated in 1992 from high school, and I literally was starting to collect data back then on how boys are treated with just this absolutely hateful, anti-male, shaming attitude. But it's become severe, um, especially since the late 90s and early 2000s. And I saw it more and more in my work and in when I got into the social work and human services fields, that's when I became aware of this strong, severe feminist bias where where um I'm actually um in order to renew my um my license every year or every two years, I'm required to take trainings and sometimes to get some of the trainings you can do uh purchased um you can do purchase trainings where you read um, like a long passage or an essay and then you answer questions. And there have actually been times where I'm forced to answer in a biased manner in order to get my CEUs. For, for instance, um, I'm trying to think, one question was true or false. A man, I'm um, I mean, sorry, true or false, a therapist must not have strict neutrality in a couple's male-female couple situation, but must sometimes align with the woman rather than maintain that strict neutrality. And I, I of course, would have chosen false because the the basic premises of the therapeutic relationship is that it needs to be a place of safety and neutrality for all people in the room. Mm -hmm. But the actual answer they wanted was true, that it's okay in a situation where it's a a male-female couple to discriminate and bias against the man and align with the woman even though that goes against basic therapeutic principles. So um it's that severe where um in <clears throat> in graduate school the literature was so anti-male and so pro-female that it got to the point where you were gagging on it. It was like ro- eye rolling. Like oh my god, come on right. already. And so I'm writing this book because I see that boys are being demonized and pathologized to academic levels and levels in society. Uh, probably one of the most <clears throat> extreme measures that are being taken is that in public schools, boys are being labeled as having this fictitious disorder, ADHD, mm-hmm. which, by the way, there's no scientific proof that it's anything other than a collection of trauma symptoms or just natural childhood behavior. So boys are being labeled as ADHD or bipolar or oppositional defiant disorder, a number of these different brain and mental illnesses, and then, of course, subsequently chemically subdued or drugged. And this is happening in epidemic numbers, especially because of the public schools. And the mental health industry doesn't question this. They just do it. Um, I have actually lost contracts um, by speaking out against this in the mental health field. I have been silenced, I have been threatened, I had my website threatened to be forcibly removed um, back when I used to run a volunteer children's website where I didn't make any money from it at all, mm-hmm. and uh, children's rights website, and so the, the situation is severe, and so I realized that I needed to write a book about all of the injustices that are being done to boys and men, especially boys, because it's from a you know parenting perspective, um, especially things like how boys are being treated, that male sexuality is shamed, the male body is shamed. Um, Right from infancy, little boys are mutilated during circumcision. They, They are tormented in this manner. They don't realize that this creates complex PTSD. It alters brain development. So any violence that that child would later commit would probably never be related to the fact that he was violently raped by, you know, having part of his penis removed. So all of these things that they that the, the feminists are not taking into account and don't even want to look at when they're directed to it, you know. And, and uh, boys experience the most uh, physical abuse overall and the most verbal abuse. They are hit the most, especially by mothers. Mothers do most of the hitting of children. And so if you look at all of the – I have – so much data that I almost wonder if I can get it into one book without the book needing um, a wheelbarrow enclosed.
1: It almost sounds like Uh, it should be a documentary, like with interviews and all that.
0: It it would be great. I haven't even gotten to the point yet where I'm going to do any more than a couple interviews because I've got just so much data. Right, right. And, and of course, I'm not going to write it in a data-based manner and a very dry... I'm not going to do the statistical thing. My brain doesn't work that way, but I'm taking it all... And spelling it out in black and white. My first book, instead of medicating and punishing, was written in a very simple manner. I took very, very complex and very um, science-based facts, and I I wrote it in a way that anybody could understand it because it's basic science. You know, if a child's hmm. needs aren't being met in any way, their holistic needs, their their physical needs, their emotional needs, their creative needs, their intellectual needs, their spiritual needs. If any of those needs aren't being met then they're going to act out. It's just plain and simple. So these boys are being being pathologized for normal boy behavior because they cannot handle this developmentally inappropriate environment of being forced to sit in chairs for six hours a day when boys need to be moving, jumping, running, playing. All children need that, but right. especially boys. They are wired to be, to, to be uh, body-minded.
1: And so, we're killing our children. No, yeah. I agree. Just to comment on a few things, um, I, I would point out, you know, also that it, it, like you really you hit a nail on the head with about the the sexuality issue. And as you said, like we're talking about you know about parenting level, um, and you know it is relevant to men because this is where the foundation is set, and then you see it happen in society. You see it in our legal system. Um, you know like the restraining order system is ridiculous I I read a great article about that Um, the the fact that many states were the quote unquote woman state for so long the women get custody no matter how abusive they are no matter Mm -hmm. how crazy they are you know I have personal experience with that although you know I ended up in joint custody it's still the they were blind to virtually everything I had on her you know and it was treated like I'm lucky that I'm even getting joint custody I should just take it you know they they don't really – especially when they're assessing things, like if there's a domestic violence call, the police are immediately looking at you if you're the male. And, and
0: they'll even arrest the man even if he's saying that the woman – even if the woman is admitting that she was the abuser, that right. the man will get arrested a lot of times.
1: And, yeah, and it's and, – it, and, that, and that also affects our children because our children see that treatment of adults, you know, adult males, and, you know, and for example, you know, they if they want to know why their daddy was taken by the policeman, does that mean daddy was wrong – you know does you know and even if he's even if they know he's not you know um and and so yeah i definitely um I, I was lucky enough that my mom you know i was raised by a single mom and i was lucky enough that she was very sensitive to these issues and that she had boys and she had girls she had two daughters and two sons and you know if the if the daughters were having emotional problems due to their monthly visitor my mom did not give them a carte blanche. You know, she didn't say, well, oh, okay, sweetheart, it's okay that you are mean to your brother because it's that time of yeah, the month. She'd be like, exactly. it's that time of the month. You should probably recognize that you're going to have some irrational tendencies, and you should remove yeah. yourself from the situation. You don't take it out on your brother. You know, Absolutely. To, and, and when I went out into the real world, quote, unquote, the real world, there was so little of that that it was, I felt like an alien, you know, because to me... Well, Gender yeah. was invisible to me. It was irrelevant. Okay, yeah, you're a girl. Okay, you're a boy. You know it, that did not even factor in. You know to me, um, because I truly believe that they were equal. Um, you know and, what's
0: interesting? Is, oh, I'm sorry. No,
1: no, you finish. Go ahead.
0: I was going to say, you know what's interesting is that my son has encountered some, uh, you know, a, a new phenomenon now where little girls are getting so brazen, and they are they are so fueled by what he calls divaism. Mm -hmm. And this sense of girl superiority over boys that now little girls will go up to teenage boys and outrightly be verbally or even physically abusive to them. I remember my son was with, um, on the 4th of July, my son was with a group, uh, this huge uh, peer group of homeschooled kids. Uh, They're all, mostly all teenagers. And uh, we went to this lake uh, for the kids to watch the fireworks and they were all running around with glow sticks and, And so what ended up happening was one of the families that hosted the party invited some of the neighbors to come along and bring their younger kids down. So we had this huge, big, you know, gathering down at this lake, and the kids were throwing a football around and running down the dock with the glow sticks, and it was really positive and really sweet, and and, uh, to see them all just being kids and having a good time. Now, my son at the time was 17 years old, and this little girl, about 9 years old, got mad um, because you know, my son my son is one of those people that if he thinks for a minute that there's somebody that is getting left out, he will go out of his way to make sure that person is included. Mm. And so he was trying to pass the football to the smaller children, the younger kids first, and make sure they all had a turn. And so there was this nine-year-old girl, and he had passed the football to her, and then he wanted to make sure another younger child had a chance. And so... The girl, the 9-year-old girl, got really angry that she didn't get the football a second time. Um, it, and that she, when the football was dropped, she grabbed the football and she went up to my son and she she chucked the pointy end at it, at his side with all her force and just made a sound. And, and he was so shocked, he was like, whoa, whoa, what's that about? And I just went over to him and said, I said, don't, don't ever do that again to anybody and And so I went over to her, and I really said, "Wow, you know that that was so not okay." And because I confronted her after that, she was actually really nice to my son and I, but my son said she had been really flipped with him the whole time, and then that was sort of the 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 shocker to me. And I've seen that multiple times, and he has told me about friends of his who might go to alternative schools, but their maybe some of their other siblings go to the public school. And he said, "Some of those sisters are so nasty, and he said, and the younger ones had no qualms with insulting all the boys in the room and um it, i remember when I was a little kid, we were afraid of teenagers. we wouldn't have insulted any teenager right so it the The sad thing is is that girls are being socialized to be to be aloof, apathetic, nasty, sarcastic, and cruel rather than empathic and caring like they want the boys to be. Right. at the same time, there's nobody treating boys with an empathic, compassionate frame of mind. Nobody's treating them with compassion and empathy, but they're expected to be that way anyway. So right. there's this crazy schizophrenic situation in society where it's, be, it's basically okay for people to be hostile to one another, rather than everyone needs to be treated with love and respect, starting with how parents treat children.
1: You know, and it's interesting, as you said, everyone, and that's, I think, one of the important points about this is that frequently activists, they get, and many activists get involved in things because maybe they've been done wrong by a certain group or a certain this or a certain that. Jacques Fresco talks about that. You know, there are no woman problems. There are no man problems. There are no black problems. There are you know, we are, we are a people, we are human beings. And the funny thing is we tend to exasperate the problem that we set out to solve by, you know, by making more divisions, by making more uh, resentment, you know, it's like, you know, it's like I said, I was surrounded by activists who are concerned supposedly about equal rights, yet they're spending all of their time talking about white men supposedly talking too much, you know, during our conversations. And, you know, it to me, I looked at, you know, like, I was like, the person in charge of this meeting is a woman and she's doing great. And um, I didn't even factor in whether or not I was talking over someone who was black or or female. And, and in fact, until you said that, I wasn't even conscious that there were any women or black people in the room. I was conscious that I was sitting with a bunch of human beings and we were all exchanging on an equal level and their color or their gender were completely irrelevant to me until you pointed it out. And now all the white men in the room feel bad and are scared to communicate because they're afraid... That they're gonna offend, you know, you guys. I'm like, if that doesn't make a, that, that's not equality. That's that's it's not even fair, you know. It's and a tough
0: situation though because there, is, you know, there is so much racism sure. in our culture still towards towards every race, including, you know, from black, white, Latino, you know, especially immigrants coming over. So I don't feel that that conversation is done by any means. But I think that with feminists. Um, I think that that is a dead goose that has been overcooked for the last 20-something years, and uh, maybe 30, actually, because I think it was done at the end of the 70s. And, but you're right. No person's voice should be shut out because of some physical characteristic of theirs. We all are in this together. Oppression against one human being is oppression against the entire human race. The, when you look deep inside of us spiritually, all of us are just spirits. We're all the same. There is no gender or color or race or nationality. We're, that's only our that's only our vessel. It's a genetic vessel, and it's absolutely ridiculous that we're that we're caught up on it. But but really, what needs to happen is there needs to be a consensus of, of, of respect and and human decency and compassion and empathy for everyone. It, it, it shouldn't it, I just saw something the other day that I was horrified in, in New Hampshire where they just passed a bill allowing businesses to discriminate against gay and lesbian couples if they feel that it goes against their religion. I mean, uh, what is this, the 1950s? This is un- ridiculous.
1: <laughs> oh, my goodness. No, that is one of the, my biggest hot-button issues. <laughs> and New
0: Hampshire is such a progressive state that's why that was so and and if you
1: about it it means you're gay you know they always like i'm a gay rights activist and i'm totally straight and when you get mad at somebody or you're passionate about it they're like you're gay aren't you i'm like no i i I don't want anybody to be mistreated based on that and that's i should probably clarify like i think my my point is not to say that racism is not still a problem because it is but I don't yeah. think we should replace it with a, with another form of racism you know that's
0: yeah, you right absolutely and that's not. like you know
1: when when I went to school in Pontiac, um, they actually allowed the the Farrakhan Muslims the the black racist Muslims to have an assembly at our school at my public school, I got to sit there and listen to them tell us that the white men are the cursed race of Cain and that mulattoes mm-hmm. were abominations and you know, yeah. and we're just like, Whoa, 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 hold on a second here. Wow. And, you know, fortunately enough a lot of the black kids were equally offended by what was going on. But yeah. you know, it was more to the point is that let's identify that racism is bad and sexism is bad and I, I don't if you're a racist white, black, you know, Asian person then you need to reevaluate. If you're a sexist male or female, you need to reevaluate. You know, and instead of making it about like, well, you know, it's only racism if it's this person, it's only sexism if it's that person. Yeah, that's
0: ridiculous. I notice that too. And it's it's it, 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 if, if if somebody is making a judgment on you based on a physical characteristic, it mm-hmm. is it is just what that says. You know, there is no, you know, monopoly on the word. <laughs>
1: sure, sure. Now,
0: I don't have tolerance with discrimination of any type. I, I don't have tolerance for, for people who advocate for any sort of violence or hatred towards anybody. I just have no tolerance for it. I haven't had tolerance for it since I was nine years old or my whole life. I, I always saw through that, and I just didn't understand what everybody was fighting over all the time.
1: And that's, you know, but to, to, I guess the, one of the reasons I brought all that up was to point out that it's now necessary that you write a book about what's going on with boys – because no, it's necessary exactly. to spread awareness. Because we've we've overcompensated. You know, it's like That's the right. feminist movement won their their basic rights and said, "Well, hey, you know, we we see we smell blood. Let's keep going." You know, and then That's exactly it. now they, they
0: start you know it, they, it it actually is really serious. And and I'm not saying that all of the feminist uh, political lobby are into this, but there is a there was a situation where there was a prominent lawyer, who um, a feminist, a French feminist, what they call the radical feminist. And she was uh, sort of uh, encouraging conversation on a blog about um, having gynecologists get in on, uh, female gynecologists, of course, get in on aborting male fetuses um, so that they would, they would be reducing the population of males down to 10%. And this is really terrifying. This is terrifying because this, this, is, a, this is a hate group, and this is allowed to appear on blogs and without impunity and so it is not just this sort of surface sort of things with women just saying mean things about men this is at a level where the core of this 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 feminist group um which is based i think it's based on the 1968 um there was a manifesto called the scum manifesto but i i hope i'm getting her name right valerie Selena, so salinas who shot Andy Warhol? She advocated back in nineteen sixty eight for the genocide and murder of men um It is one of the most violent things I've ever read. It's like mind Kampf or something and she um this is not just some fringe document that sits in archives from nineteen sixty eight This is actually used and and spoken about and even and even from what I've heard from people kind of um, almost upheld, uh, you know, with with a little bit of respect in women's study groups. And there was a group at UNH in 2005, a group of women that actually used the scum manifesto as the basis for a gathering where they were wearing scissors around their neck, symbolizing castrating men, and they were just reading all of this absolutely hateful poetry and just directing all this hate towards men. Now, these are young, young women. These are young women that probably are between the ages of 18 and 23 years old and it's really frightening that that you know to think that these young women are being socialized in this manner um because if, if if a man was advocating for a document that called for the mutilation and torture and genocide of women and then brought that document from 1968 into 2005 and started you know, collecting other young men to, you know, wear scissors around their neck or something or, or wear a cattle prod around their neck, symbolizing, you know, some sort of violent, you know, violence towards the genitals and had all of this violent, hateful poetry read against women, that would have never flown. That would have never even been allowed to seed at, at UNH. That wouldn't have even happened. So that's what I'm talking about. Hatred sure. is hatred. Violence is violence. It needs to not be tolerated in
1: any form. Yeah, and that's actually you know going back to what you were talking about about the the statistics about men being raped and that not being really talked about. Like um, one of the more extreme feminists that I've dealt with in my time, you know, she said that rape was a female problem. You know oh, that right. rape, rape is a crime. You know that's only for women. And I pointed out to sure. her. I said. Well, you know, you know men get raped too, right? And she's like, "Well, it's it's just such a small number, that's insignificant." Oh. I'm like, "You know, I'll bet it felt pretty damn ins- you know significant to the guy getting get raped."
0: That's right. You, you know, know what? If one person gets assaulted, if one person gets raped or sexually assaulted, one one child or adult, that's one too many, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's but that's not the case. It is not a small amount of men. It is a it, and, and it's a lot. It, it's a it, we don't have the statistics because of the feminist movement, but we do know that you know, male prisoners are raped in pretty epidemic numbers. We do know that little boys are sexually assaulted. We do know that teenage boys are raped very very often by school teachers, by female school teachers, it is a serious issue. It is not a gender issue. Rape has been happening to boys and men throughout history, in every, in every, um, on every continent, in every society. Um, if you look into the Journal of Psychohistory, you will just see the pages of those journals filled with documentations of, of, of sexual abuse of boys and, and men, just rapes that you know even. Um, some of the early kings in, in england were were sexually assaulted on a daily basis by by their uh by their caretakers i don't want to say which one because i don't know if I have his name right, but louis one of the louis <laughs> louis the not great with uh the, the European history but um it's 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 historically rampant and may even be more than the abuse of females, possibly when you put everything together all the numbers.
1: For sure, the world and, 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 and i am
0: not in any way you know i am not in any way minimizing the the rape and abuse of of girls and 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 women absolutely not what i'm trying to say is that it's happening in in almost equal numbers possibly equal numbers doesn't matter if one human being is being affected by it it's no longer just a one gender issue you could say you can't even say that breast cancer is a woman's issue because men die of breast cancer as well.
1: Yes, they do. So it,
0: the only things you can say are specific to men and women are things w- that have directly affect their chromosome or their or their anatomy.
1: Well, and even and then,
0: there's and even then there's leeway.
1: And well, and that's well, and that kind of comes back to what I said about racism and sexism. We need to address racism and sexism you know no matter who's perpetrating these things and rape is the same way rape is rape yeah. it doesn't matter what gender they are and and, and it's it's it, and when you eliminate the gender from it you can actually look more clearly at what the yeah. real problems are you know and, and i mean just even to the basics of sexuality like i actually toyed with the idea of being a sex therapist at one point and and some people you know they they you know the people always assume it's cuz you're perverted or something but for me it was that my mother gave me a very healthy ideas about sex. And I would talk to other people and they'd tell me these horror stories about how that would happen. And the reason that's relevant to what we're talking about is that, you know, men are kind of raised to become, you know, like uh, in many cases in culture, it's they're they're almost kind of encouraged to be the, the player types in some societies, you know, where they, they have all these girls, but a girl's not allowed to enjoy, you know, sex. She's not allowed, you know, she gets demonized for that. I mean, that was... You know, is that, you know, well, if she has multiple partners, she's a slut. If he has multiple partners, he's a stud, you know, and there are there are reverses of that, just like you're pointing out. Boys are now like the backlash of that is now boys are being treated like them even having a sex drive makes them evil. Um, You know, and actually, that was another thing that that plays into is that um, romance, you know, in the classic sense seems to have vanished because every guy who might uh, ask a girl out more than once is a stalker. Um, you know, every guy who sends you flowers who maybe hasn't spoken to you yet. Oh, well, they're going to try to take you somewhere and you know, cut up your body. You know, it couldn't mean that they might just like you and, you know, might actually want to approach you. Uh, it actually creates a situation in relationships where Men don't really know how to proceed. You know, they're so you know, terrified it's, it's, that they're going to get sexual harassment accusations or whatever. It's, it's like
0: absolutely terrifying. It's that mm-hmm. we're we're destroying just normal, natural human sexuality with all of these ridiculous rules and fears that we have. It's uh, the shame. The shame that's being put on. You know, it, it's outrageous. Uh, you know, it, humans have a right to enjoy their bodies. I mean, that it, it all started back. You know, with in the you know the. The Dark Ages, where you know sex was just absolutely vilified, and and uh, they needed to control the population. And that's where circumcision came in to reduce sex drive and to reduce sensitivity. And that's practiced, you know, has been practiced around the world towards both females and males. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately. Um, the uh, male genital mutilation is not um, taken very seriously, even though female genital mutilation is,
1: and that's right. another
0: issue that needs to be addressed. But yes, I mean, I think men are afraid to know how to approach women because they don't want to be seen as sexually harassing them. Mm-hmm. Um, women who, like men, are not sure how to proceed because they don't know what the rules are. I think it's it's just really frightening. And and evolutionarily, you know, when when you look at You look at the human species, men have just sort of a natural instinct to want to um, pursue the woman, and the woman has a natural instinct to send signals when she would like him to do that. And so we're, we're losing all of those beautiful natural dances of courtship because women and men can't kind of do what nature intended them to do
1: and it's it's i'm actually like you know even in personal experiences now because you know you you don't want to offend anybody and also like the uh the issue that women seem to be raised in such a way that it's like it people are scared to approach them because like if you're a guy who happens to find a girl attractive and interesting but could just be friends with her if she's not interested in that way you have to weigh whether or not it's worth the risk it's like i have yeah. female friends who i might like to ask out but i i'm like uh i don't know you know because every time you ask a girl out who's not interested, they never want to talk to you again. You know, it's like they get creeped out or whatever. Like they're they're given some impression that that means there's something wrong or, you know, it's like, no, no, I mean it. It's totally okay for us to just be friends, you know, and it's gotten to the point where I just, I just uh, blatant, I just, I'm blunt about it. I'm polite about it. And I say, hey, you know, I would totally just be your friend just like we already are. But, you know, I was curious if you might be interested in seeing, you know, each other outside of friendship. Um, they're usually kind of shocked, but it works, you know, Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. there's so many little things that we just don't communicate about. You know, I got to say, uh, over the course of this show, we've, we've discussed a lot of things that could be shows unto themselves. And I, I hope that you'll be a guest on V radio again at some point. Um, and, uh, the listener actually that I, I told you about who, who recommended you to me, um, was very happy. Um, when I posted on our Facebook, the link to this show. So, um, and now, uh, I would like you to take a moment and give the website URLs of like where people can find your work.
0: Sure, it's um, Laurieacouture.com. That's L-A-U-R-I-E, middle initial A, and last name is C-O-U-T-U-R-E.com. Laurieacouture.com, and I also have a YouTube channel which is Laurieacouture, and that has um, six videos on how to unschool your child as well as a bunch of silly comedy videos my son and I do um, making fun of the hypocrisy of public school and how, you know, children are diagnosed and drugged um, for normal uh, childhood behavior. Um, There there are multiple places. Uh, My blog is also on LaurierCouture.com, and uh, you can find me on Facebook and Twitter. I have a page called Laurier Couture, author of Instead of Medicating and Punishing, that people can
1: like on facebook that's excellent and um i'd actually like to talk to you briefly off the air after the broadcast so stay connected and um sure. thank you everybody for tuning in today um if this is your first time listening to v radio please check out my website v radio.org or v minus radio.org v dash radio.org uh there in the archive section you can find more shows like this one with lots of different guests. Uh, Documentary filmmakers, scientists, behavioral experts like Dr. Gabor Mate, uh, activists, presidential candidates have all been on my show in the past, Um, and if you like what you hear, please consider a donation because this is a listener-supported effort and I go out uh, into the field to interview people for these purposes and, you know, essentially to you know, bring you guys the alternative media. If you want there to be alternative media and you're sick of watching the mainstream media, then you're going to have to be willing to contribute to the alternative media. Thanks again, everybody, for tuning in, and I'll leave you with some words from Jock Fresco and Roxanne Meadows.
0: This is Roxanne Meadows. And this is Jock Fresco.
1: And you're listening to V-Radio.